Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Church, welcome to church. We are on the backfield where you are going to be in a couple weeks, and hopefully not just once, but through the course of the summer months and transitioning back uh, to being all together. We're going to take full advantage of what God's given us on these 30 acres. But I'll tell you what, it's really become clear uh, through all that we've been through together that church isn't a place, it's people. And uh, it's an honor once again uh, to come into your homes and to open God's Word. And if you have a Bible, two places I'd love for you to find. And we're going to take that worship song that we have fallen in love with. Amen? Amen. That our band just sang. And uh, we're going to bring it to life scripturally with the promises that God gives to us. Uh, where the beauty of the promise of the blessing of that song is concerned. So if you have a Bible or if you want to grab one with me real quick, a couple places I'd love for you to find with me in John, the Gospel of John, uh, in chapter 17, that prayer of blessing is actually one that certainly comes from the book of Numbers. You all know that. It's Aaron's prayer of blessing over the people that we are claiming as the blessing over our home and over our families and over our church family. Uh, But it's also really the prayer that Jesus prays there in John chapter 17. So I'd love for you to see that with me. And then since I already mentioned numbers to you, why don't you turn to Deuteronomy? And we'll actually see the practical application by Moses of that prayer of blessing that Aaron gives to us in the book of Numbers. Let's pray together. Lord, I just ask your anointing and blessing on this time that we would see that you are the cure. You're the one sure cure for anything that ails us, uh, that comes against us. There is no name that is greater than the name of Jesus. And we praise you and honor you and ask, Lord, for that promise of your blessing to be upon us now as we open your word. Would you Fill each and every heart, each and every home, family, and marriage with your peace and with your presence, with your healing power, and with your promise. We give you this time together as a church and look forward to being back on this campus together. In the meantime, church isn't a campus, it's a compass. And we pray that you would focus and fix our eyes on you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We do that together now in your most precious and holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody's looking for a cure these days, right? They're looking for a medical cure. They're looking for a scientific cure. They're hoping that the mask that we're all wearing is going to help speedily bring some kind of a cure. They want a vaccine. They want a cure to come out of the quarantine. I'm going to give you one sure cure today, church, and you already know what it is. It is the name of Jesus. So this is really good news because Jesus prays this prayer of ultimate healing 
and, and, and a cure and a blessing as we just sang over us, his people. And I'd love for you to see that with me in John chapter 17. Pick it up with me in verse six. I have manifest your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Jesus praying to his father and saying, I have done what you have asked me to do. I've accomplished the task. This is even before he gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, but it's done. It is already completed. He is going to see it through, but we have a God who is outside of time and space. I'm going to give you a couple examples of that, but he's already claiming that it is done, and I think that is also something that we can be doing in our homes and in our families where the ultimate one sure cure is concerned. We can claim it now and then walk it out. That's what Jesus is about to do. He's claiming it now and then he's going to walk it out. He says, I have finished what you have called me to do. I have manifest your name to the men whom you have given me. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Gosh, I hope we're able to say that, not just now, but when it's all said and done, that we would be able to say that we've been faithful to keep God's word. Look at verse seven. He says, now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I have come forth from you, and that they have believed that you sent me. I, I pray for them. If, if you want to know what Jesus is doing right now, I think he's doing the same thing he's doing in John chapter 17. You can circle this one, underline it, put a star next to it. It's verse 9. I pray for them. He's praying for you right now. Jesus is interceding for us in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this difficult season that we're all faced with. And look what he says. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you've given to me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world. See, he's already claiming the work as being completed, not just his death, but his resurrection, and not just his death and resurrection, but but his ascension. And 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 and, and he's saying, all of it I'm claiming as being accomplished and fulfilled. I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one. Everyone say that word. Say one. One. That we would be one. That, that they would be one is the prayer of Jesus. That they may be one. That's now where you get the idea of what was behind the subject matter of the title of this message, the one sure cure. The one sure cure. That they would be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Who's that? That's Judas. Remember, Judas Iscariot, he's already, he's already betrayed and, and, and received his payment. He's hung himself. Jesus is like, that one that 
is going to go through all of that, Jesus already sees it being completed and fulfilled. Can I, can I just say this to you? That he already sees you being completed and fulfilled. Judas hadn't gone through with any of that quite yet. He was in the midst and process of doing it. He was walking out what Jesus had already claimed as being fulfilled. I want that to work in your favor. I want it to work in a, in a, in a favorable way to which you would be able to receive the blessings that the Lord has of things that you and I, by faith in this world, are still walking out. Unfortunately, it works to the detriment of Judas, but it doesn't have to work to the detriment of you. It doesn't have to work to the detriment of me. We are his, and being his, we are one with him. He's saying they're all one. They're all one. They're still one. I haven't lost a single one except that one, that one, that one, that son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But, but, but now I come to you, verse 13, look at this. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I don't pray that you should take them out of the world. Isn't this a fascinating prayer? Don't, don't, don't lose this thought. This, this is huge. Verse 15, I don't, I don't, I don't pray, maybe some of us are like, no, 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 pray that, pray that, Lord, pray you, take us. He goes, I don't pray, Father, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So may I just have us, pause right there for a second and soak that in. That's a mighty prayer. That's a mighty, awesome prayer. And as, 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 as much as a lot of people right now are looking to politics, as much as right now a lot of people are looking to scientists, as a lot of people are looking for answers, I wonder how many are really looking to Jesus because he is the one sure cure of everything that ails us. As we're looking for a way out of this plague, I'm telling you what, Jesus is looking for a way in through what he has actually allowed to take place. He is looking for a way in while we're looking for a way out. The one and only cure is looking for an opportunity for this to actually bring you in an inseparable way close as close can be that the two would become one. He's looking for a way in. He's looking for an opportunity to heal. Just like he heals the blind guy. Just like he heals the paralyzed guy. Or the paralyzed guy, they bring to him and they're like, he needs his legs fixed. And where does Jesus start? Jesus starts by forgiving his sins and healing his heart. He was able to come alongside a very nervous wreck of a gal named Martha and say, Martha, Martha, look at your sister Mary. She is chosen to believe and to trust and to worship me even in the face of the death and the loss of his naturally born best friend that being Lazarus he's able to be the one and only cure for a guy that had been dead for days allow me to just show you a powerful example of this blessing and it's found for us over there in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 33. 
I want you to see this because it's really the backup of the blessing that Aaron, Moses' brother, prays that we just sang about. And I know some of you are going to look at it and go, this is the most obscure passage of Scripture, Bob, that you could possibly find. It's sort of like, you know, when you go to Disneyland and there's that Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, right? So I know some of you are like, it's Pastor Bob's Wild Ride. Where is he taking us now? And chapter 33 might look like that here in the book of Deuteronomy. But if you would just hang with me for a few moments... There is a surprise that awaits that I think is going to bring the reality of this healing, this, this, this cure that Jesus wants to provide into full living color, surround sound here on the back lot of the church. So it's worth the hike. It is. When we go hiking and backpacking, we're hoping to have the chance to do it again if they'd open up some of these national parks for us. You know what I'm saying? But when we go hiking and backpacking, my sons and, and my, and my and nephews and, and our extended family, and it, really it's Bonnie's dad, uh, Danny, that just turned us all on to uh, the Mammoth Lakes and going camping. And there's pictures of him going to the same campground when he was like this high, like, like Bo's age when he used to go to the same campground with his parents. So this is quite a legacy, quite a tradition, but sometimes he'll take us on a hike, like up to Gem Lake or up to Fern Lake, and there's switchbacks. And, and sometimes you're like three or four or five switchbacks in, and you begin to sort of say to yourself, Danny, what are you thinking about? Where are you taking us? Like Donahue Pass. You get to the end of Lyle Canyon, you start going up the switchbacks at Donahue, but Danny's been there, right? And he's sort of like, it is worth the hike. It is worth the switchbacks. Can I just say to you that Deuteronomy 33 might seem like some unnecessary switchbacks? It's gonna be worth it. You're gonna see something with me in this passage that I pray would bring this whole reality of where we're to find ourselves in Christ as being our one true source of curing, healing for whatever ails us both now and forevermore. Could I just hear someone say amen to that? Amen. So look at it with me. Look what he says. This is the final blessing of Moses on the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want you just to hang with me. We'll pull some thoughts out of this and then just wrap this up. And, and, then, and then maybe we could just ask the band uh, if they'd be so inclined to at least sing us a portion of that blessing song as we sort of wrap up and conclude the service. Okay, look at this. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, he said this, verse two, the Lord came from Sinai and he dawned on them. What a thought. I'm telling you, you get to the top of Donahue Pass, you get to the top of some of those peaks in Yosemite. Are you a national park person like I am? You get into that Zion National Park, you get into those clear, beautiful shots of, Yellowstone and, 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 and just think of this. Here's Moses. The Lord came from Sinai and he dawned on them. He dawned on them from Seir and he shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came, look at this, with 10,000 of saints from his right hand. From his right hand. Do you know who his 
sitting at God's right hand? Do you know who makes all of that possible? Do you know who is our one sure cure? Do you know what it says in Ephesians chapter one? He is seated at the right hand. This is Deuteronomy. And he is already again outside of time and outside of space, seeing this continual, perpetual, eternal, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever arrival of God and coming with him 10,000 of his saints made possible only by the cure of the one who sits at his right hand, Jesus Christ himself. He came a fiery law for them, yes. Verse three, don't ever forget this. Yes, he loves the people. And all his saints are in your hand. That's a capital Y. That's your healing, being in his hand, being held by what he has come and accomplished for you. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. Moses commanded a law for us, a heritage for the congregation of Jacob. And he was king in Jeshurun. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. So here's the list. Starts with the oldest, the firstborn, Reuben. Here's his blessing. Let Reuben live about all you could say about Reuben. Didn't really live up to that firstborn status. So let's just suffice it to say, um, let him live and not die. That's a blessing though, that not only would apply or pertain to Reuben and not just to those that are firstborn, but to all of us who are in Christ. He has come that you may live and not die. He has come that you would forever and ever and for eternity live and never be separated and never die. His blessing for Reuben is his blessing for you. Get this, there's more to come, but grab the first one and claim it that his blessing is not just for Reuben. After all, listen, listen, Reuben's dead. He's, he's, he's long dead when Moses says this. He's already heard his blessing given to him by his daddy, Jacob, back in the book of Genesis. Here now they have gone through the years of slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh and, and into the wilderness, an entire generation left back there in the wilderness. So it's not just for him, but tribally meant for his family as we have sung in this service. And I believe claiming all the way to today, the blessings for those of us that are a part of the family of God, this one who has dawned on us, this one because of who sits at his right hand has allowed for us to be sanctified and adopted into this tribe, into this family that we may live forevermore and not die. Secondly, Judah, verse seven, and thus he said to Judah, hear, Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him to his people and let his hands be sufficient for him and may you be a help against his enemies. What's that? Now, what is that? What is the blessing that Judah receives? That God's gonna help him. And that's exactly the blessing that we can claim as now being a part of his tribe, that there is assistance and backup and, 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 and help against our enemies. The enemy of 
Satan and evil and disease and death has all been conquered by one who was born for us to die for us that we may ever live and has fought our battles for us who actually came from the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ himself. Thirdly, verse eight, Levi. Hauling through these, just want you to see the blessings for each one. Of Levi, he said, let your thumim and your umim, you're like, what? What is that? That would be on the breastplate of the priest. It would be the yes of God and the no of God. It would be how they would determine in any given situation as the priest would bring counsel, God's answer to their question. The urim and the thumim, the yes of God and the no of God. Let your thumim and your urim be with your holy one. It was with the priests of the tribe of Levi that the yes and no of God were realized. God, what's, what's your answer to this? What's your will for this? And they would come and they would seek God's heart and counsel through the anointing and blessing that God himself had put upon the priests from the tribe of Levi. Look at verse nine, who says of his father and of his mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children. There's, there's, there's somewhat of a, of a set apartness for the priests of Levi. Even a removal and setting apart maybe from their own family to such an extent because of their commitment and dedication to doing the work of the Lord there as priests. And sometimes we feel that cost. And yet the blessing of the Lord is one that falls on them even when there can be at times great sacrifices made by their own immediate families. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They will teach Jacob your statutes and Israel your law, and they'll put incense before you, the whole burnt sacrifice on the altar. I know it sounds like switchbacks, but we're getting up higher and higher and higher and higher, and we're gonna see something, you guys, that was worth the journey, that was worth the hike. Suffice it to say, these guys are all about the sacraments of duty and obedience and seeing God's will accomplished by his word in the life of all the tribes. In fact, he says this about that tribe of Levi. Look at verse 11. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands and strike the loins of those who rise against him, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. There is a priestly provision and a priestly protection that we can claim because now in Christ, because of his spirit, we're all priests and ministers of the most high God. Look at the next one. Verse 12 is for Benjamin. Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell safely by him who shelters him all the day long and he will dwell between his shoulders. Isn't that a beautiful picture? If you're a dad, we got Father's Day coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're a dad, you can so identify with the picture of blessing that Benjamin is given, that he's just gonna ride on daddy's shoulders. 
I mean, I am literally watching my son, Mitch, my oldest, who's now become a dad, carrying his son, my grandson, Bo, around on his shoulders. And it's not just any his that this blessing of Benjamin is given, because the his is capitalized. Can you just believe this? For the intimacy and the blessing and the reassurance of the love-found relationship that you have with God because of Christ, that he can carry you and you will dwell between his shoulders. Hallelujah. Of Joseph, who gets the most blessings of anyone here by Moses, look down at the latter part, second half of verse 16. Pick it up with me where it says this. Pertaining to Joseph's blessing, it says, let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separated from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horns of a wild ox. Together with them, he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. And they are the 10,000s of Ephraim. They are the thousands of Manasseh. You see, there's a, a multiplied blessing, not just of the intimacy and relationship that you're able to claim along with me that's given to Benjamin, but there's a blessing for being faithful. And Joseph's given that blessing. Each one of these boys are given a blessing that you and I now as the boys and girls, the sons and daughters of God can claim. There's a blessing, you guys. And Joseph, given more verses, more type written for him, more words dedicated to his blessing because there is a blessing for being faithful. And he was faithful when thrown into the pit. He was faithful when thrown into prison for something he never did. In fact, not only is there a blessing of faithfulness of God because of his obedience and his persistence and his faithfulness, there's a multiplied blessing. Do you see that? There are the 10,000s of Ephraim. And the thousands of Manasseh, there is a reward for faithfulness that we see in the life of Joseph. Okay, a few more, come on. Verse 18, Zebulun. Of Zebulun, he said, rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out. We just sang about that. In your going out, in your coming in. Look at the next one. And Issachar in your tent. So a blessing for Zebulun in his going out and a blessing of Issachar in his staying in. He doesn't seem to be going anywhere, maybe quarantined, being told to just stay put and sit on the couch. There's a blessing in the staying in. There's a blessing in the going out. Look at verse 20. And of Gad, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion and tears the arm of the crown of his head and provides the first part for himself. He doesn't, in other words, stray. Gad stays put. There's a blessing in staying put, you guys. Be Gad. Be glad to be Gad. Just stay put. Know that like Zebulun, there'll be a blessing of the Lord and you're going out. Know that like Issachar, there's a blessing and you're coming in. Know that like Joseph, there's a blessing for being faithful. Know that like Benjamin, there's a blessing where you just get to ride on the shoulders of, the, of your daddy's love. Wow. Look at, look at uh, 
Look at verse 22. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp, and he shall leap from Bashan. So if there was ever a warning amongst all of these sons of Jacob, the warning comes first and foremost in the tribe of Dan. Don't wander off. Don't leap. Don't bail. Don't be a Dan. Be Gad. Stay put. Know that in staying put, the Lord is going to bring blessing. Don't leap like Dan leaps. Naphtali, verse 23, Naphtali of Naphtali, it said, be satisfied with favor, full of the blessing of the Lord. You know, that, that just brings contentment to mind. Just be content. Godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain. Naphtali, satisfied with favor, full of the blessing of the Lord, possesses the west and the south. He was just content. And Asher, look at the blessing on this kid. Asher, he said, Asher's the most blessed of the sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. And as your days, so shall your strength be. Okay, now listen to me. Listen, not just a blessing for Asher and not just a blessing for Issachar and not just a blessing for Zebulun, a blessing for us to claim that he is no more loved than you're loved. You're like, yeah, but my name isn't Asher. I'm not Asher. I'm Bob. Bob. Spell it backwards, still Bob. But I am blessed and favored of the Lord and loved as much as Asher and as his child can ride on his shoulders like Benjamin. Know that there's a blessing to behold for faithfulness. Know that as a priest of the Lord, which we all are, God's gonna meet our needs and see us through. As your days, so shall your strength be. A few more verses. Look at it with me in verse 26. There is no one. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you. What a promise. What a cure. What a deliverance. What a, what a healing awaits this God of ours, this God who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on the clouds, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath, oh, isn't this beautiful? Are the everlasting arms. You know, as high as you wanna climb, he is there. He's there saying it's worth the hike, it's worth the journey. I'm gonna continue to bless you even in the midst of what seemed to be long and sweaty switchbacks. He, he is reigning supreme. And even when you feel like you are at the depths of the bottom of the barrel looking down, he is there. He is at the bottom, he is at the top. So your strength will be for the days that he has appointed to you. And underneath it all are the everlasting arms. He will, he will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy, and Israel shall dwell in safety, and the fountain of Jacob alone, in the land of grain and new wine, as heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you. 
Look what he says. Look what Moses says. Happy are you, O Israel. Billy Graham had a great quote once. He said, it, it isn't surprising that Christians are happy. Here's what's surprising, that they're not happier. Man, your sins are forgiven. Your name is in the book of life. You have a God on your side. You have one in which has come to your rescue. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. You know what? Moses has three separate components of his life, all representing a period of 40 years. His first 40 years, he had the best of the best of the best you could possibly imagine having grown up and been raised in the palace of Pharaoh in Egypt. Couldn't have been any better, man. And in one day, it all changes. As he commits murder against one of his fellow Egyptians as he sees an Israelite being taken advantage of and abused. That Egyptian is buried in sand and now he's wanted, Moses is. And he runs for his life and for the next 40 years, he experiences the opposite of the first 40. The first 40, the best of the best. The second 40, the worst of the worst you could possibly imagine. He's wanted, he's alone, he's running for his life, settles for being a shepherd of his father-in-law's sheep on the backside of the desert. And then the third period of his life, he becomes, according to scripture, I'm not making it up, look it up for yourself. He becomes the friend of God, the friend of God. And now he's summing it all up because these are his last words, his last will and testament is, is Deuteronomy chapter 33. If you doubt that, look what happens in the next chapter. He gone. Okay, he's looking back on it all and he's saying, okay, comparatively, the best of the best in those first 40, blessed I was in those first 40 years of, 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 of bestness. And, and then, man, I was, I was on the lamb. I was on the run for 40 years. And then I met God. Then I met God. And, and, and now he says this, in his summation of looking back over his life, look what he says. Hey, there ain't nobody like you guys. Who is like you? Look at verse 29. Who is like you? A people saved by the Lord. If God is for you, come on. Who could be against you? So for us, saved by his grace, included in his family tree, a heritage of all of the blessings promised and given to the 12 sons of Jacob are now for you and me here to claim to be transferred into our account. What a timely message. What a needed word of encouragement because the suicide rate is reaching all-time highs. Depression and anxiety and unemployment and yet this word is reminding us that he has not forsaken you. He loves you. And as, as, as Jacob would put his hands of blessing on each of his boys, so Moses is putting that same hand of blessing on each of those tribes. And for us, 
We are now his tribe. We are now his family. We are now his bride. You want to know what tribe we are? Bride tribe. We're the bride, you guys. We are the bride tribe. And all of these blessings are ours to claim as the inheritance of members by grace of the family of God. Unless, unless your name ain't on the list. And that ought to just sort of stop you in your tracks if you went to get a coffee in the kitchen. That ought to just stop you and make you wonder, unless what, Bob? Unless you're not listed. Unless your name isn't in the list. And I don't know if you were kind of doing the math with me as we were going along, but we only came to 11 guys. There's 12 sons of Jacob. There's 12 tribes of Israel. And one of them, coincidentally, seems to be MIA in Moses' final words of blessing. Did you figure out which one's missing? Why is Simeon not on the list? Why does Simeon not show up in the blessings to which God now instructs Moses to give to the tribes? It's interesting that when Jacob was blessing his sons, when he comes to Simeon, He says this in Genesis chapter 49. Let me read it to you. He says, Simeon and Levi are brothers, instruments of cruelty in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their counsel. Wow, that's harsh. What did God say? Let not my soul enter their counsel. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger, they slew a man. And in their self-will, they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger. For it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and I will scatter them in Israel. Wow. Not there. Not recorded. You're like, well, Bob, one of them's there. Levi's there. Yeah, read what it says again about Levi's blessings, that somehow he comes back. Somehow he observes, according to the end of verse 9 in Deuteronomy 33, he observes, he comes back to the word of the Lord. Like David who returns in the midst of his atrocity and and, and sin and adultery and murder, he comes back and God gives him a heart after God. Levi has given that same heart for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. But I can't say the same is true of Simeon at least. I have to wonder like you as to why they're not included in the list. I remember after I had just gotten married, Bonnie was very gracious to give me permission to go to Israel for six weeks. It wasn't very long after we were married. It was a a little crazy of a time. Now kids hadn't started coming yet, which maybe kind of made it a little more understandable and easy, but she knew my heart and I had this unbelievable opportunity to enter into a biblical research center in Israel. And for six weeks we studied. And I remembered one day asking my instructor, a man by the name of Ken Bailey, Dr. Ken Bailey, if you could ever grab a book written by Ken Bailey, grab it. What a brainiac, what a lover of Jesus, what a man of God. I remember asking Dr. Bailey the very same question you're asking right now, at least I hope you are. Where's Simeon? 
Why doesn't Simeon show up in the blessings of Moses in Deuteronomy 33? I'll never forget the power of Dr. Bailey's simple answer. He said, Bob, they were absorbed. Simeon was absorbed into the tribe of Judah. And I don't know if we have the technology to throw up a map of the 12 tribes of Israel. You can probably find one for yourself, probably hanging out, waiting for you in the back of your Bible. And you see where all of the 12 tribes ultimately land. And what's interesting is where Simeon lands is as a little teeny circle of a dot surrounded and absorbed by Judah. I have never, ever forgotten the powerful symbolism of that, that the two became one. That's our healing. That's our cure. That's what makes the hike worth it because that's our hope that in light of our sin, in light of our arrogance, called out in Simeon's life there in Genesis chapter 49, called out in all of us when the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our greed, our pride, our selfishness, the mess of our life, there's only one remedy, there's only one cure, and that's for us, like Simeon, to be absorbed into the tribe of Judah where the two become one. I get it. I'm with you. I totally agree. The enemy seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You've got no argument with me on that. This virus, it's hellish. But God is showing up and promising also to accomplish good in the midst of what the enemy is meaning for evil. He promises to do that each and every time, all the way back to the faithful blessings in the life of Joseph, that what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn it around and use it for good. Maybe the good that he's doing in us is stripping some of our dependency where this world is concerned out of our lives and causing for us to fix our eyes on Jesus as our only cure, as our only hope. Maybe he's preparing us as a bride bride tribe for what's to transpire. There's a lot of babies that right before they're born, there'll be somewhat of an incident there in the delivery room because they discover that the cord is wrapped around the child's neck and they are in a rush to get that baby out safely because maybe even for the moment of that baby finding some security some sense of comfort in that cord, we know that that cord actually, if left there in place around the baby's neck, is gonna take the baby out. What if God is sparing us of what we often take comfort in because what we take comfort in apart from him is actually killing us? Don't be so desperate to try and resuscitate what he is removing so we would see him and him alone as our one and only hope, our one and only cure to become one with Judah, one with Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, to be absorbed into him is what he came to accomplish for us on the cross he took our sins, he absorbed them so that now we could be that which absorbs his faithfulness and blessings 
forevermore. Do you know what Paul said when we were studying the book of Colossians? In chapter three, he says, I've been hidden in Christ with God. That's our cure, you guys. That's, that's our hope. And that's exactly what Jesus has been praying for in John chapter 17. Turn back there with me and we'll close this up. In John chapter 17, Jesus finishes that prayer. Just a few verses. But I want you to hear what he prays over you. He says this in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. He's not just praying for them back then. What did he say? I am praying also for those who will believe. Oh, I pray that's you today. Put your faith and trust as now his child in the hope and cure that he and he alone has come to provide. That they all may be one absorbed in him. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and, and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow. The one sure cure. Look what he says, look what he says, and we're done. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you. But I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Lord, on this backfield, we, we, just, we just claim the faithfulness of your unending love that even when we reach the bottom there we find that underneath are the everlasting arms and when we've hiked and when we've climbed and when we've put in the time we see that you are still above reigning and fully in charge and so whatever it takes may we together put our faith and trust in your plan knowing that you will carry us through Lord would you bless and abundantly reside the goodness of your grace and love in each heart and in each home and if there's any listening that have, that have never seen you in this light that have never received you in this way may they become a part of your family even as we're praying by just saying yes to your love Say, Jesus, I, I, I'm in. I, I, I want this life. Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to be kept out of your blessing. I want to be included in the list of all those who have received what you have accomplished. 
knowing that the best is yet ahead and what awaits is worth hanging in there for. And so maybe just in the quietness as we wrap this service up, if you could just pray, Lord, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. I repent of my sins. And I claim your blessings over my life. I I don't want to be left out of the list. I want to be absorbed into what the lion of the tribe of Judah has accomplished for me. I receive that by faith. And in the power of the name above all names, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed as we sing this song together. And we'll see you on this field, worshiping and praising the Lord in a couple weeks as we look forward to being back together. Until then, God bless you. They say be upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.